happy thing, fine. And welcome to the Glacially Musical Podcast. It is beer, metal, swearing, a side of vinyl. I, of course, am Nick Cameron of Glacially Musical, joined by the man who never stops running, always keeps going, Keefy Chariots of Fire. How are we doing today, buddy? Very well done, Rip Van Gellis. Uh, I'm not doing well. I have, I have it on vinyl, by the way. I know you do. I have it on. Co- I have COVID. I am dragging myself out of bed to be able to do this. The highlight of my week, this podcast. I am fully unprepared today, except to talk about Motley Crue. But I thank you for being patient with me and being here. Let me. Well, I've been drinking, so let me just say uh, now we have both had the COVID. Uh, unfortunately, Keithy has got it way, way worse than I had it. He's probably got that new sexy variant that's going through blood-brain barriers and shit. So uh, you are going to hear a lot from me this week. So first off, I'm going to beer check because somebody's got to do this. Uh, This week, and I'm the only one drinking beer this week, so I feel awful. Uh, I am drinking a Firestone Union Jack IPA with 7% ABV. This is an IPA from the home of the IPA, which is England. Although American IPAs are typically far better. To make this a little bit educational, I will explain that IPAs are originally from England. They were created to send to India during England's uh colonization and all the awful things that they did in india they during this time they could not fly them there so they had to go by sailboat and when they got there the beer had spoiled so what they did was they created significant a significant amount of hops in the beer so that way when the beer arrived in india it tasted normal however and that's why it was the India Export Ale. However, we drink them before they're exported and on a sailboat, so they're hoppy as fuck and delicious. That is where IPA India Pale Ale comes from. That is amazing. I never knew that as many IPAs as we have had together and apart on this show. I uh, used to be a semi-respected, coddled, a uh, member of the St. Louis beer blogging community. I had a column on my St. Louis food and drink website, the 13 blog that I used to write with my late father-in-law. And he is the one that introduced me to the IPA and taught me how to love it. So it's amazing. I didn't know you blogged with your father-in-law. I thought it was just you um, before we welcome in our guest. Um, oh, that, we're not even there yet. Oh, we're not there. Okay. Oh, um, no, no guest. He's in the waiting room, but it's okay. I will, um, I am going to Gatorade check with my Gatorade light that I just bought right before the show. Rapid rehydration, because I'm dehydrated as fuck. Uh, if <sighs> I start to cough or get phlegmy, I'll mute myself on the mic. But, uh, yeah, this is no fun, kids. Please wash your hands, wear the correct masks if you go to shows like I didn't. For one time, I've been to countless shows, festivals, gatherings, intimate things, museums, I've been very lucky to be in the most vaccinating-ass place in the country. But even this, we are not immune with these new variants that are, maybe they're not um, as deadly, but they're very transmissible. Think of it, you know, I I don't want to be that guy who sounds like this. So please listen to everything I say before you curse my name. Or curse my name, but keep listening. Think of it like the flu, not as in 
not more dangerous than. But each remember, like three years ago, we had the flu vaccine and we had a flu pandemic because they chose the wrong strains of the flu in the vaccine. Well, just it's the the whole thing about viruses is by nature they mutate and change to become resistant to whatever the masses are you know, doing. And so we're not scientists or doctors, so I don't want to go down this road too bit too much, but like, yeah, just, you know, these things happen. I managed to go two years in, in change without getting it. I've been very lucky. I went to a show. I grabbed the wrong mask on my way out the door. I hugged and talked to a lot of strangers and people at this show. I stood next to Rob Flynn and Jeremy Keeker and from Machine Head at one point watching Darkest Hour. I had a great time. I don't regret going to the show. I felt seriously ill a few days later, and then, boom, I've been dragging ass and off and on terribly sick for days and days. I so hear no you. no fun. I, I have, I have like a, this is this is actually one of my better days, and I'm feeling terrible. So we're going to power through because I want to do this podcast. I, I will say personally, I'm not a doctor. I am not. I didn't even take any medical courses in college, unlike law. I took some law classes. So. Mm. But I'm anyway. You know, do what the doctors say. Simple as that, because they it. know more than we do. Uh, Keefe has told me he's got no vinyl check this week, so you know what? I'm going to add an extra. I'm going to extra, extra record to my check. So, we're just going to do two. We're going to bust out three this week. I don't know if you noticed. I started tagging the bands and the beer companies in our. Post. I did. I usually, uh, more often than not, when I'm sharing these, I'm in the bathroom at work. So great. Twitter on the shitter, everybody. Obviously. So, starting off with my vinyl check. Our man, the Dread Pirate Francis Roberts, <laughs> Bacon, something. Uh, old Man Wizard, Kill Your Servants Quietly. Mm. Uh, I believe Keithy expounded upon the wonderfulness of this record last week. I got mine. It is a truly phenomenal record. I don't know if our man has any left, but go to oldmanwizard.bandcamp.com. I will also say that last year when I did this for the first time, his other band, King Gorm, was my number one vinyl record of 2020. 2020? 2021? I don't know. Whatever year I did that. Whatever year that came out was the year I did it. King Uh, Gorm 2020, Old Man Wizard 21. Yes, and also our next ge- our guest today, our first guest in this format, uh, Danny, his band Torchlight Parade was also on that list with mm-hmm. their their debut record. Uh, my next vinyl, oh, that one, what did I pay? 15, 20 bucks for it? I don't know. It was Whatever. pretty cheap. Uh, my next one, Waylon and Willie. Yes. World War II. Got this at the, the Antique Mall for about a fiver. Gonna be honest, kind of sucks. Yeah, but it was only a fiver, so I can't sell it. Why does it suck? It's just not that great. Waylon uh, and Willie, maybe it's the songs. Yeah, I, I mean, let's take a look at the label, see who wrote this shit. Maybe uh, that's the problem. They didn't write the songs. J. Webb, M. Smotherman. Uh, they did "Sitting on the Dock of the Bay." I mean, Jimmy Webb's a good writer. T. T. Hall. Yeah, they didn't write any of this. No. It's one of those yeah. record company things where it's like, hey, do this record for some money and bang it out with no or these, or, or these two dudes were just really fucked up. That is entirely possible. 
And instead of, uh, hey, Waylon, you got something? Hey, Willie, you got something? Uh, get on the phone. Call Jimmy. Jimmy, they, send send us a list. Songs around. Send us a list of songs that other people have done. And because mm. we just want to, we don't want to write. We want to smoke pot and pop pills and see where this goes. Ah, sorry, I'm besmirching Waylon. No, um, but it's true. Oh, one more. Art. Yeah. Uh, Bebe La Savage. BB La Savage. I don't know. I uh, got this one the same day I got the, the Waylon Willie record, a couple other records as well. Good day at the Antique Mall. They were all about five, six bucks tops. I spent $35, got like seven albums. It was amazing. That one's pretty good. I am actually getting down with heart finally. I'm finally digging in. And the last vinyl check, which is not really a vinyl check because I've had this forever. Today's album subject. Molly Crew. Drop the record again <laughs> for that gatefold. Look at that. Mm. What are you pointing at? Stop pointing at his junk. It's horrifying. It is horrible. I was pointing at the wrong dude's junk, too. I was pointing at Vince's junk. You meant to be pointing at Tommy. Yeah, like, yeah, that's a huge difference. Yeah, it totally is. Uh, but that's the vinyl check. Length that's and the- girth. Ooh, that's the vinyl check. That's the beer check. I forgot to do the logistics. This week is different. Uh, intro, beer check, vinyl check, news of the day, interview, subject. So, but the subject is part of the, the interview is part of the subject. So, you know, just stick with us. But for, there's some big news this week, which you've already heard about, but now you're going to get our editorialization. I'm going to start with a favorite of ours that is not the big news that dropped today. Pink Floyd Animals 2018. Yes, finally. Think about that for what I just said. Pink Floyd Animals 2018 finally has a release date. Mm. They fought literally for four years. Dave and Roger fought for four years. Roger writes the whole damn record, basically. And they fought for four years because Roger wanted self-aggrandizing liner notes. Roger wanted complete editorial control of the liner notes. David doesn't care, but he'd rather not be Roger. He'll let someone else write it. He'll hand it off to someone else for money, but he doesn't want Roger's take. He doesn't care. No one cares, Roger, what you think. Put it on your website, which I think he did, right? He did put out the liner notes. Yes, he did. He, he put out a <laughs> Facebook update stating, this has been going on for years, and... Because he he has finally acquiesced for the fans. For the fans, he acquiesced. Because he's better than Dave. Now, because he's he's not, though, and this is why. And you can can love Roger all you like, and Roger is a better artist and writer, and blah, 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 blah. Roger is the problem with Pink Floyd historically, not David. You go there, I'll die on that hill. You are not going to get an argument out of me today because of this. So, because Roger is better than Dave, and let it go for the fans, he then posts them on his website. And these liner notes are like 50 pages of garbage. Yeah, it is is garbage. It is garbage. It's not even, doesn't add anything to the proceedings. Listen, Animals is one of my favorite records. I actually, it's like, was probably on my lower tier as a kid. 
and a Same. teenager because it was probably above me mentally. I um, when I found out that it was based on Animal Farm, <clears throat> click. Yeah, of course. But until then, I didn't get it. And I'm also going to say that, uh, honestly, as much as The Wall is very beloved, it's super simplistic. It's super simplistic. It's like a diary. It's reading a young person's diary. And so in that regard, it's very down-to-earth and easy to grasp, which is why it's so fucking popular, beside the fact that the music is great and the lyrics are great. Animals is very complex on every level. And it's above most people's comprehension in the whole Pink Floyd pantheon of music. And so I think I was a little slow to come on to it. And now it's one of my top five records of Pink Floyd. I would not have said that 20 years ago. I wouldn't have said that four years ago. I actually skipped out on Roger's tour here the last time he was here because it was animals heavy and I hadn't gotten it yet. And... Uh, yeah, I saw the movie. I bought the album. Have uh, us the us and them vinyl oh, release. And, no, us and them. Oh, us and them. Okay, and it was a truly amazing show. He played. Um, you know, he played pigs. He played dogs. I don't think he played sheep. He's playing sheep on the current tour. Saw the set list of the current tour, and oh my god, I got a Roger boner the size of my leg. The only song I would like to have seen on there that wasn't on there was uh, the post-war dream, but I, you know, it is a pretty e- epic set list. He, the only, my only complaint, I have one minuscule complaint, nothing off of pros and cons. Well, can't play them all. Well, I mean, he's busting out powers that be from chaos, uh, the bravery of being out of range from. I'm used to death. My favorite Pink Floyd and Pink Floyd related record. Mm. That is my favorite one. Wow. It is ambitious. It is self-indulgent and it's ridiculous. It's perfect. It's, it's Roger in a nutshell. That is the brilliance of Roger Waters. Nobody else can understand it. And I quite don't quite get it, but I love that record. Anyway, uh, the next bit of news I want to talk about. Have you heard about the kiss hoarder circle? No. All right. For a year, this is going to take a minute. I'm going to try to break it down as to smallest bits as I can. For years, there have been rumors of all of these hard to find Kiss concerts that have been pro shot and held by the creme de la creme of the Kiss bootleg community, where they're paying like ten thousand dollars a show and this and that. Things like. Detroit, 1974, in color. Things like the entire the 3 p.m. show from Budokan, the third night at Cobo Hall on the Alive Tour with the Platinum Album presentation that no one has ever seen. All of these things are blowing out. They're on YouTube, made by a user named Sam Loomis. And the KISS fandom, KISS community, has gone ape nuts over this personally i have not been super excited because you see one kiss show you've seen them all but they're dropping a bunch of stuff houston from 1976 there is another version of anaheim 1976 in the stadium there's been about 10 different things that have been dropped that no one has ever seen outside of a very small community nobody knows precisely why it's happening but there are some messages to some of the professional fans, as they're called, in, in the KISS world, 
people who have written books, one guy who's supposedly writing a book. And yeah, there's pretty amazing stuff out there. That may explain why I recently saw a video, a Kobo Hall video from like the on YouTube that I had never seen before that popped up that was like Yeah, the, it was probably nineteen seventy six. Yeah, yeah, the Kobo Hall a live recording, but the actual concert, not the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the real stuff. The real stuff. The, 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 I mean, <clears throat> as much as I love Alive, Alive is the greatest live album of all time. Mm-hmm. Because it sounds like you're at a concert. Yeah, it did what it was supposed to do, and uh, we live albums were never the same after this. And, However, uh, it does not sound like a Kiss concert from 1976, and that's okay. That yeah. it sounds like the concert you wanted it to. Kiss be. has always been smoke and mirrors, and a lot of people who had not seen Kiss had the chance to think they saw Kiss, and that's right. Kiss mad. is exactly smoke and mirrors, and they have this reputation for being this amazingly tight live band. No, they are sloppy as fuck. That's okay. They're American. Um, so is Zeppelin. But um, before we get to the big, big news, one last I have piece. another kiss thing, though. Can oh, I go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit that. I don't know if you've seen this. We, we have spent a lot of time on the podcast talking about kiss, kiss reunion, the kiss farewell tour, the final, whatever that's going to look like. And uh, interesting revelation this past week from Doc McGee who said that Kiss is regularly in touch with Ace, just in a general sense. They're in touch with him. They talk business with him. There have been mentions of him joining them on stage. Like, maybe they'll make an overture to him at some point. Whenever we get around to the last few shows, maybe we'll do something. Doc McGee reveals they do not talk to to Peter at all. Peter well, is not in, not in the conversation about joining the band at any point for a show or an appearance. Peter is not consulted and talked with, and apparently when it comes to business matters, it's all through the lawyers, and Peter's not involved. But that the fact that they don't even consider talking to Peter, partially because of how he left the last time, it's weird to me that they're holding grudges after all this time. They did the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they do all these things, and they're still mad about, like, Peter physically couldn't play on the last leg of the tour, and wanted them to do less shows, and they wouldn't. That's actually the truth. That's come from Peter. Like, I wanted to do less gigs. They didn't want to. So I had to walk away. They claim they fired him. They always... Like, they, they, they claim they fired everyone. They've said they fired Ace three times. They've never... One, Ace has been in the band twice. Right. Two, Ace quit the band twice. Twice. But they still say they fired him three times. So and I'm not saying whatever. that, like I said, if, if you're not competent... And you can't play. When it, you know, the guy is older than all of them and has a beat cancer. So, like, yeah. uh, can, he, can he play a whole show today? I don't know. No. I doubt no. it. He, he just come had on knee, and sing a few songs. He just had knee surgery Yeah, he come on ago. and sing a few songs. That's all anybody wants to do is have Peter come out with the cat face on and sing Beth. That's all anybody really wants. And maybe Hard Luck Woman. They don't expect him to do the drum solo from 100,000 Years on Alive 2. Oh, thank God. That young, drum solo sucks. He's not a young man. But I'm saying like the length of it. He's not a young man no. anymore. He can't. Uh, I'm fine uh, with that. Well, in fairness, none of those four dudes except Gene can still perform musically at a competent level. That's also true. I'm sorry. It's, it's I love Ace. And I mean, I still love that terrible, terrible human being. I don't want Ace getting into the to the spaceman uni at all. 
No, and I mean, the thing and, is, Ace said he won't do it unless it's just him and they fire Tommy. Yeah, they don't want Tommy, and he don't want Tommy. So, like, if you're a Kiss fan, why are we talking about this? If you're a Kiss fan, dial down your expectations that Ace and Peter are going to make some grandiose final hurrah with the band. Maybe they get to come out at the last show ever, knowing Gene and Paul. Probably not. Probably no guests at the last uh, show. You know, I'm going to disagree with that. I I genuinely believe the overture's there. However, I believe the overture is my way or fuck off. Or no way. Yeah, no, and neither not even, of those guys are going to say yes to that. Not even my way or no way. It's my way or fuck off, and I'll yeah. kick you in the ass on the way out the door. Yeah, because Peter will never I, say yes to that. Ace will never say yes. Correct. And I think that Gene and Paul are still very angry about a fresher wound where Ace and Peter refused to be in the doc, the A&E documentary. And uh, yes. Peter... Paul was ref- very mad about that. Paul went on a tirade to the media about that. And Peter refused to let them use Beth. So he it's says... It's his song. It's his song. They're petty you know, with them. Uh, you know, when he gets petty back, they're going to take it worse? Like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, th- look, these are all... Petty, petty, petty bitches. And Ace doesn't feel real feelings. Gene only cares about money. Paul is a ball of neuroses that leaves me staggered. And Peter is like, fuck all you guys. I'm old and I don't care. I'm from Brooklyn. Oh. I can still take all yous. Right. So that that is the that is that is kiss. Um a good friend of mine once said, Don't don't sweat the petty stuff, but pet the sweaty stuff oh god i'm not touching that can i move on now <laughs> i did Thank so you, you don't have to go ahead oh jesus i'm moving on uh we should just point out that right now metallica is in the charts again with 1986's title track master of puppets which is awesome i know a lot of people are bitching and pissing and moaning but remember 30 years ago 30 years ago now Queen goes back in the charts with Bohemian Rhapsody because of Wayne's World. I, myself, being a very sophisticated fan, had already heard Bohemian Rhapsody six months prior to that. Only on accident and just, just, just. I had uh, gotten Queen Night at the Opera cassette tape for Christmas. I requested a Queen album. I didn't know what to request, and I got that one. So I did know that one. Nobody believed me, but I mean... I had that hipster cred, which I mean, I, I mean that's like not even good hipster cred to have. But so it, it's cool to see Metallica being introduced to a younger audience, and I mean I have nothing more to say. So the song "Master of Puppets" is in the charts. The album "Master of Puppets" is charting on Billboard, and the song, and this is all because of the Stranger Things season finale, which I've yet to watch because I haven't been, watched I've been, since season one. I, I, I have I'm just behind the season and. While I'm in a brain fog of COVID, I don't want to watch anything new. I've been rewatching all my comfort movies, so if I pass out, I don't care. Yeah, when I'm sick, I watch BSQ movies. Yeah. Which, uh, Clerks 3! Clerks 3! We'll Clerks talk three. about Clerks 3 in a second, but, uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the fact that, that Master of Puppets, the song, is on the Spotify Global Top 50, that includes, like, Beyonce and Frank Ocean, that's insane. That Metallica... Usually, as big as the biggest rock band in the world is, still swims in a smaller pond than the Beyonces. Okay, who has twenty number one hits in a row, or Shinedown, who just had another number one re- record, like their twentieth number one something. So, 
just just for context, I know people are mad. Metallica's like Walmart. They're everywhere and they're ubiquitous. You have to just let it go. It's a good thing that Metallica's in this thing. Actually, an orchestral version of Enter Sandman was in Westworld this past week. So again, these are good I, things. I don't even know what that is. Okay. These are good things. Nick lives in a cave, basically. These are good things. Westworld is the awesome HBO show. I don't have HBO. From the 1970s sci-fi movie. Anyway, these are all good things for music. Call don't me. Be, don't be. Call me a luddite troglodyte. I want to be something dite. Okay. Clerks three trailer. Did you see it? Uh, Eighty times. My my wife looks at me and she goes, "My God, I haven't seen you smile like that in a long time." I wish it wasn't over a stupid movie, but it's nice to see you smile. Uh, right. If you haven't seen the trailer, see the trailer. This, you know. I saw a post from Kevin Smith today actually about it. All of his movies are autobiographical. They're very meta. And this is him making a movie about him making a movie. Yes. After having a heart attack. Of course, so, of I mean, course it would be. And uh, I'm going to point out one Easter egg from the trailer because I'm that guy this one fucking time. I noticed Elias, who's now metal in Clerks 3. He's gone from Jesus Freak to metal. I assume it's after masturbating watching a donkey show. Wow, I never thought I'd say that out loud. But uh, he is wearing a Forked Tongue t-shirt. Forked Tongue is Jay's favorite metal band where he could have had sex with the lead singer's girlfriend in the, in the Jay and Silent Bob comics on their way to Chicago. However, he respected the singer and the metal too much. The deep cut reference there. And he is wearing the Forked Tongue t-shirt in dogma i don't remember that uh jay is wearing a king diamond shirt in the trailer uh, is he? he is, i didn't see that he's wearing an official king diamond shirt and i kind of feel like if king diamond or stabbing westward or one of those bands from the original clerks uh, alice in chains goo goo dolls if they're not on the soundtrack we go to kevin's house and riot that's my word i'm down i'm down as long as mc chris is on it again mc chris a lot of people so let's now try to be briefish because we have feelings. We're not going to get into all of them because I got text messages for from, from our guest. And so the big news that dropped today. And yeah, I feel I have you're... a lot of feelings about this. Conflicted. Not conflicted. I'm I've no my feelings are all he's very he's flicted not con go ahead I'm I'm afflicted not conflicted Pantera is reuniting however Dimebag is dead God rest him and Vinny is dead God rest him okay uh it feels like that Phil and Rex have been making music together forever in and out of Pantera. So as of today, it's a no from me, dog. Uh, give me a YouTube video or two. Maybe I'll change my mind. But, I, you know, actually, I was listening to my Pantera live record today. And I don't know if I've mentioned this, but I'm selling a bunch of records on Discogs. And... Uh, I listened to half a side one. 
I did I went, not get first dibs on this offer of records at all. No uh, love for the co-host whatsoever. Hey, I'm tweeting it, and it's on all the things. I didn't see. I've been sick. Uh, I uh, got halfway Ooh. through side one of the Dynamo show or whatever, and I went, this is fuck awful. This is just terrible. So it's it's for sale. So, and I just... Uh, well, the Dynamo stuff is like uh, maybe unauthorized soundboard recordings. I did one for Soulfly also. Hmm. And I don't know, you know, how good an open air festival recording is going to be from the soundboard. Uh, Pantera, not Pantera, I'm sorry. My Sepultura live record. That's from Rock Soulfly, and Rio. Sepultura. Yeah. My, my, I have uh, Rock and Rio soul from Sepultura from 2016-ish, I think, which is amazing. Uh, Iron Maiden's Rock and Rio. Yeah, all the Metallica live stuff that's out there that's current is all from the soundboard, and some of it's not bad. Right. But, uh, so here's where I land on this, and we'll try to be brief because we've spent a lot of time talking about stuff um, that has nothing to do with <laughs> doing anything. Um, so Rex and and Philip, you know, they also are Pantera. Um, there are plenty of bands out there with no original members. Uh, Foreigner. Like, a lot of bands. My good buddy and partner, it goes called Omar, said that every band, when you have like a situation like this, it just become it should be like death to all. Death to all is the death tribute tour. Chuck is gone for over twenty years. There's no bringing him back. He is the linchpin. It was his band. He was the front man and the leader and the main composer of the whole band. And they go out with a rotating lineup of everybody that's ever been in death. And death had many many players, so they're able to do this. And they kind of fashion a death show, and a lot of people never saw a death, so it's a really great thing for them. I recognize that I saw Pantera like 20 times, and most people never saw them once of a certain generation. So a lot of people never got to see them. Philip went out on that last Slayer tour and did Philip Anselmo plays Pantera. It was fair. Uh, The audience seemed to love it. Uh, In arenas, I suspect if done correctly, similar to how... This summertime tour with like Rob Zombie, Static X, and Mudvayne is happening. I think you could see Pantera play amphitheaters. I think you could see Pantera play small hockey arenas, college arenas, like 10,000 seaters with enough bigger bands under them. Um, Should they do it? I think Phil and Rex plays Pantera would be better for me. At the same time, Phil and Rex are also Pantera. And why can't they put the band out? I don't think they should do new music. I would like to see this open a door to finally a full Pantera concert DVD Blu-ray. That is what we were promised. That's what I signed up for. That's what I want. Um, and obviously no word yet on tour dates. No word yet on who would be in the band. For years, people have clamored that it be Zach Wilde because he was best friends with Dimebag. Uh, Rex has gone on record and saying it absolutely will not be Zach. He does not like the guy and would not be in a band with him, let alone let him do it. So I'm going to say I'm going to put my hat in the ring for Phil Demel on guitar and Art Cruz of Lamb of God on drums. Those are guys who I think can pull it off or a cavalcade of guitarists and drummers to come on. And you just it's expensive you to know do what? it that way, but you come on and do every, you know, a whole two hour show with different drummers and guitarists. He- hear me out. Let's say we do this tour properly. This tour properly is a five show, a five band, a five band show. And with that five band show, you then have five drummers and five guitarists to pull in. 
I don't. I'm not. That's a good idea. And then you have Lamb of God, so you could have like Lamb of God could be one of the openers. They're a big draw. You have two great guitar players and a great drummer on that band, uh, and a great singer if Phil needs a rest and wants to have somebody come out and take a song. Um, I'm not saying I, that's, that's not how a bad they, approach. It's not a bad I'm, I'm not going to suggest who it should be, but you know, there you go. Because if they're they're calling it a Pantera reunion. I think what makes it what would be more palatable is a Pantera tribute. I agree. So tribute makes it more, you know, more acceptable. I think reunion is hard without the original guys, right? Now, a particular I, band, but there are many bands without the founding members. And so, well, you know, in Heart that I mentioned today, I right. saw them on their reunion tour three years ago with the sisters. Yeah, questionable whether they will reunite together again no they're they're, i think they're done i feel like they're in a better place than they were a year ago but they're still not in a good place and so there's just Uh, let me also say when i saw them they played the battle of evermore which was on nancy the guitar player not the singer and is the singer well they both nancy nancy plays guitar yes yeah so nancy's one of nancy's so uh, either solo albums or tours, they did an amazing arrangement of Battle of It's Evermore. from singles. It's from that soundtrack. Okay. Which is my favorite Led Zeppelin tune. Sure. One of them. Even though I hate Lord of the Rings. So go figure. But now we could digress for decades. So we, I am sure, will be covering this Pantera reunion as it goes on, but we're going to stop today. Mm. Keefe, because I know Keefe has a lot to say and I don't want him to waste it on Pantera when this is not a Pantera show. Energy to say a lot of anything, but go ahead. In the meantime, we're going to bring in my good friend, Danny Nichols. Danny is in about 17 fucking bands. They're all amazing. I will give him 30 seconds to list off all the names because it'll take him that long just to list off the active bands he is in. However, the biggest one he is in right now is a band called Torchlight Parade, which was, again, one of my 2020, I think 2020, uh, top 10 vinyl records of the year. Amazing power metal, Judas Priest-inspired. They have a new album that is out, and it's going to be released on vinyl, thank God, and I'm waiting till I can get a pre-order on that. So with that, we will bring in Danny. So we are joined by Danny Nichols. Who are you? Besides my very good friend. There you go. Yeah, Nick and I go back many years. Um, yeah, no, I play rhythm guitar in a few different bands. The one of most current notoriety, though, is Torchlight Parade. Uh, we're based out of St. Louis, Missouri. We kind of have a uh, interesting uh, scenario going on for a metal band in that most of our band is actual morticians. Uh, a lot of uh, the death metal bands uh, sing about death, but we actually uh, live it. So um, our singer is an embalmer in St. Louis, and he is, uh, yes, one of the most prolific embalmers. He's embalmed over 30,000 bodies. Um, he's been in the industry for 10 to 12 years. And uh, hang on, he, hang on, Danny. Everyone yeah. look at me right now, because now that I have the floor, you can see Danny's record. There it is. Yes, that is the first album. The second album was recently released, and I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but anyway, our singer is an actual embalmer. Our drummer is a funeral director, and our guitar, the lead guitarist drives a hearse and picks up dead bodies all day long. So, so clearly, you play death metal. 
We not really. It's more uh, classic metal along the lines of Judas Priest, Twisted Sister. That's probably who we sound most similar to. Uh, you so do not more, sound anything like Twisted Sister. I've heard your band. Okay. Well, yeah, that's that's fair. So I I don't know. It's sometimes it's tricky to try and decide who we sound like. It is this the singer's kind of a Rob Halford type vocal you know, vocal style. We got the two guitars, although the other guy is much more skilled than I am. So he handles all the soloing, not just some of it, like in Priest. Um, hang on, hang on. Danny likes to use self-depreciating humor and <laughs> do not listen to a word this man says when he starts talking down on himself. I have heard several of his projects. I have actually been in a room with him and subjected him to my horrific playing and no, not, not at all not at all danny is a spectacular player and i have greatly enjoyed everything you have done and well, the, the, fool some of the people some of the time so the I, i'm not foolable and the the common thread for all the things that you do and all your projects is you're in them so yeah yeah and take I gotta, some credit it's fine you deserve it i, I got another band called three force francis which i uh, went to grade school with the guys in that band and we're more of a cheap trick sounding thing it's not heavy metal at all now in I mean, fairness i have not heard that one yeah it's well it's available now so and we're we're about to release another video i just finished editing it today i just kind of got to get approval from everybody in the band before we put it out um and that's more of a cheap trick sort of thing i'm also in a black metal band um which is yeah. i didn't know if you were going to talk about that i fucking love that band Thank you. I appreciate that. We all kind of have secret ideas. Even though you did not let me play a solo on the new album. Oh, okay. I did not know you were interested. Otherwise, I asked you. I We were at St. Louis FC, and I said, if you need a solo, let me know. Oh, my gosh. That must have been four years ago. So it, three or four yeah, years Yeah, it was, yeah, at least, at least three. Three pandemic. I don't remember that conversation. I um, know, I know. Time has lost all meaning, and... Yeah, so it's fun. It's fun to be in different subgenres of rock. Um, the new Torchlight Parade album is very exciting to us because we have added a keyboard player from the album of some notoriety. Um, it is Teddy Andreatis, who was in Guns N' Roses, and uh, he was also in um, Alice Cooper for a long time. He's played with Bruce Willis's band. He's played with. He was in Carol King's band. Holy um, shit! He was in the dude from Moonlighting's band. Yes. Well, with, you is, know, the, actually, the thing that really gets everybody is he was the keyboard player for Jesse and the Rippers on Full House. Whoa! Not not Hot Daddy and the Monkey Puppets, but the OG Rippers. I, you, fact check me on that. He was in the band on Full House. No, I, I really refuse to fact he, check that. He was, yeah, he was on screen in episodes of Full House as the keyboard player with uh, Jesse as his singer. It might have been the... the Meat puppets or monkey no, puppets. No, it was but. it was Jesse and the Rippers, and Hot Daddy and the Monkey Puppets. That actually might be the one that he was in. Rather, than uh, Hot Jesse Daddy and the Monkey Puppets also did a polka version of Rock and Roll All Night. I might add. Uh, yeah, I I wouldn't know if there was an album released by them. I wouldn't know if he was on there, that. There was not an album released. But this by them. this guy's a, a he's he's legit, and uh, he came to town with Gilby Clark, and uh, he's currently touring with Gilby Clark, and he also uh, tours with um, Walter Trout. Currently, he's in Walter Trout's band. When he was in St. Louis, we got to open for Gilby Clark, and uh, we met up with him. We hit it off with him, 
and uh, he he wanted to play on the album. So uh, you know, he didn't that, I me, but... I really wish that show had been one year later when I would because I really and I, and I mean I've seen you play several times and have loved every show, but I really regret missing that one. It was, it was a great. Cool. It was actually it turned out to be two nights uh, because enough's enough had to drop on the second night to go back to Chicago. So we ended up going back a second night to play it again. So uh, we had a residency at the Castle Luma oh, Ballroom. The Castle Luma Ballroom is an amazing venue. And it is. It, Elvis it is, played there. And, Elvis played and there? Elvis played there, yeah. Wow. It, it is an underused venue now. Like when we saw, when, when you and I saw Buckethead together, which I actually talked about to my kid today as we were listening to Buckethead Land 2, we saw Buckethead across the street from the Casa Loma Ballroom. Right. And I mean, that that room is amazing. It is oh, a- Casa Loma is amazing. It's the coolest place I've ever been to, much less played, so. Needs, needs to be made a little bit more. You're, I'm sorry, it needs to be used a little bit more, but let's not go too long because we are- we are right. all in love with talking and which is awesome. Well, that's like, right, right, right. When, because the Glacier Musical Podcast largely focuses on vinyl records, when is the vinyl edition of the new Torchlight Parade record, which, if memory serves, is called Don't Laugh When a Hearse Rolls By? Never laugh when a hearse rolls by. Pocket oh, balls. Well, what's even funnier is, is when we did the initial press release for it, somebody at uh, Dewar typoed and it's got sent out as never laugh when a horse rolls by. And so there was this giant press release to the world. And it would have been tragic if it wasn't so hilarious. Like, I mean, <laughs> the country music version of the, the album, I don't know. Look, I know Keith uh, RPR. I'm close friends with Curtis. I'm going to give him a tremendous amount of shit. We're 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 all we're all friends with Curtis here. And, and I know he's a, he's a great guy, and he did he did a really good job, especially with the Three Force Francis, because that's a really small time project, and he really threw his all into it. And we got a lot of reviews and a lot of attention on that. So, and I, really I, I know Keefe is laughing so hard on the inside about this right now, but he can't let it out because he has COVID. And he'll throw up his lungs. So, right. so the reason the horse rolls by, uh, yeah, it came out a little while ago. But we had we're CD release shows, I guess, August twelfth. So we're we're close to that. August twelfth. Where is that at in St. Louis? At Twenty One Rock. Twenty One Rock. And we're playing the Red Flag in October. I'm not sure which one is. T- I think we're tr- we're shooting for the October one to maybe be a vinyl release. But as you guys are probably aware. Vinyl is really backed up, and I really don't know when this thing is coming out on vinyl. So Yeah, we've heard a little bit about that. This week, I actually vinyl-checked Old Man Wizard, which I purchased 18 months ago. Oh, right on. Yeah, so. it's, and the price point is crazy, especially for a small band like us. And there's a lot of album art in this second album that they really want to put into the vinyl and the price point is very concerning at this point. So we're still trying to work through it. But everybody in the band, including me, I'm probably the least vinyl person of anybody in the band. But we all think that it's cool to have something on vinyl. So I'm confident it's going to happen. It's just the vinyl is kind of a mess right now. So 
Well, I, I will tell you this. I absolutely promise I will be there at Red Flag. There you go. It is October 29th. And I shouldn't say who we're opening for, but it's a pretty cool. It's a tribute band, but it's a tribute band that is considered highly cool if we can pull it off. So, but it's, it's going to be the Halloween. Our shows are very Halloween themed. We have Michael Myers come out on stage and kill off the whole band and we have coffins and we, we really lean hard into the funeral theme, which is our. I, I, our I have to say, part. and I, I don't say this because you're my friend. I say this because I'm, I'm, I mean it. Your stage shows are awesome. They are cheesy in the most spectacular way. It is that kind of goofy Iron Maiden-y Judas Priesty feel from 1984 when half of them are wearing chain mail for no fucking reason. Yeah, it's kind of, it's a whole vaudeville Alice Cooper thing. Like our music doesn't really sound like Alice Cooper, but that is a, our major inspiration probably. And did so. you not open for Alice Cooper's daughter's band? We did twice, Bisto Blanco, and she was so incredibly nice. She was so wonderful. She really took time to talk to us and, and hang with us and take pictures with us. And uh, uh, she's Very great. Cool. Yeah, she's, she's really neat. And they're, they're a great band too, so. So, because you have not spoken enough, you are here this week because you have done something neither myself nor Keefe have done. You saw the Motley Crue Stadium Tour. Yes. Yes. A week ago, Tuesday. So, let's talk about that. So, Poison opened the show, or Joan Jett opens. Yes. Yes. Give me a rundown on her set list. uh, She was great. It was, she, a lot of her songs, even her hits, are covers, actually. So there was a lot of covers that she did. Um, she did all the ones that you know. I Hate Myself for Loving You. I Love Rock and Roll. She did Crimson and Clover. I'm not sure if that ever appeared on any of her albums, but she did that. I don't believe so. Did um, she look like she cared? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, she was pretty cool. And uh, I had all never right. seen her before. You have seen something I have not. I saw her open for Tesla and Sticks. And basically her whole set was, I hate you all. Yeah, I didn't really get that vibe. It was interesting in the lead up to the stadium show because there was so much press surrounding it and so many, and it never included Joan Jett really. Like she was kind of absent from all the talk, but I felt that she was a major draw. I had never seen her before. I'd had tickets to see her twice before this show even, and it, both times it got canceled or she dropped. I can't even remember which. And so she's eluded me for years. So I was actually really excited to see her. And I feel like a lot of people probably were. Joan Jett has eluded Danny Nichols for years. There is a beef brewing. Right, right. Yes. No. Yeah. Not. I'm <laughs> sure she does not. Very, know very Midwest. Very yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, she was really good. That was exciting. It was over 100 degrees when she was on stage so it was very hot um the the first band was actually a a new band called classless act and they did not let the heat keep them from jumping around so there was a fifth band there was they're a local not a local excuse me they're a new band that is i think label mates with tommy lee or they recorded part Mm. of their album at his house and so they came on at about three o'clock and uh, they're just a modern rock band. And they were holy cool. shit. Three o'clock on July, July 4th. Yes. July 5th, July 5th. And well, and it, 
Well, it was, I think, 100 degrees real temperature and then like 110 or something, you know, humidity. Factor. Yeah. In, in just for the record, in St. Louis, we have exceed, we have like southern deep south temperatures and crazy northern humidity, which makes basically St. Louis, Missouri from May 15th ish to November ish uh, a veritable hellscape where it feels and smells like an armpit. If you, Keefe, when you come to St. Louis, I will take you to the library in August no and you will say, holy fuck, I see why rent is so cheap now. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, by the way, this is the um, fifth band. Classless Act is, yeah, it's sort of an L.A. band that's a protégés of... of uh the label that Motley is on, Better Noise, which also has Tommy. That's the third actual three bands have bought on to play this tour. And finally, Classless Act is the band that got to do it, um, which is crazy to me. But yeah, continue. This this is great so far, Danny. Thanks. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, Rock no, on. Rock on. Yeah, so Joan Jett was great. Um, there's been a lot of talk that Poison has really been stealing the show on this bill, and they were really great. I think that Brett Michaels just has a tremendous energy and rapport with the audience that I think people enjoy. I think we're also to the era where, you know, after a decade of everybody loving this music and then a decade of everybody or two decades of everybody hating it, that everybody's ready to embrace it and celebrate it again. I have seen Poison, I think, five times now. I've lost count. Love Poison. Love them to death. The thing that makes them great is nobody sounds terrible. And right, and, and CC Deville is super underrated as a guitar player, and the guy can straight up shred. And they give him a. I guitar don't know solo. that I agree with any of those statements, but continue. Yeah, well, they they gave him a guitar solo, and it like he did the full finger tap shredding business for a while, and then he concluded it by playing Eruption. With the, now I would the, I would I would imagine that you and I were both at the show in uh, one where it was uh, Poison Cinderella and other kids who don't matter and CC plays every I hate every bone in your body which I think is my favorite Poison tune. Oh, I love that song. I love it. And he gets to, and he gets to the solo and he screams CC. So he loves himself more than I love myself, which is yeah. I've I've actually met CC Deville once. Were you weren't you at that show? Yes, and I did not go to meet him because I would have punched him in the face at a free show because he said I'm going to play all motherfucking night. We got 45 minutes, and that was it. And I was so angry, even though the tickets were free. That, that was one of the great nights of my life because I got up on stage with him and got a microphone to sing Talk Dirty to Me with C.C. DeVille on stage. So that, Danny, that was a you are, you are literally one of my absolute favorite people in this world. You have an optimism that cannot be touched. Nick, why did you bring this guy here? He's so much cooler than both of us. This is terrible. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> My big regret is like that was before cell phones and stuff. So there's literally no evidence that that happened. But Nick was there. Yes. So you saw it happen. So I was didn't, there. I didn't know you yet, but no, you saw that guys get up on stage and sing that song. Well, I was that wondering. was like 15 years before I met you. 
And I think it was 1998 or 99. Seven, seven or eight. Uh, my ex-wife could not go to the show because she was not 21 yet. So that would have been 2000. It was 2000. That might be right. I know she I was, was dating my wife then, but we weren't married yet. My, my good married. friend, my good friend, Chris, that you met at the Ace Fraley show, the minister whom you talked about blowjobs to. <laughs> not realizing he was a minister <laughs> i love my life my life in, in, in a joking fashion, i hate to break it to you ministers know all about blowjobs and <laughs> they know I, all I was about it telling him a story about steven adler that i would not have told him if i knew he was a preacher <laughs> it was a funny uh yeah so anywho i, I kind of uh, want to hear the story now but we won't interrupt the podcast for it it was time. uh it was uh me my friend Chris, who, as we mentioned, and my friend Dave, who was a drummer with 18 penile piercings. That's who I went to the show with. Right on. But yeah, he used to so, take drumsticks in his uh, in his rings while naked at rehearsals. Thankfully, I was not in a band with him. I would not want to be in a band with that guy either. No, that's no good. But the. Uh, I was but yes, I presume Danny happened to be on the stage because he says he did, and there were people. I saw the thing happen. It was awful, but I saw it. Oh no, I loved it. I, I actually I thought that that Samantha Seven album would be a good uh, hidden gem. Or no, whatever. it would not. Metal. I, I no. don't want you to do it because I, I adore that album, and you'd crap on it for an hour straight. I, I would crap on that for like ninety minutes. I would go way long. I, I love that album. So I, I'm actually a big C.C. DeVille fan, and I think he's underrated as a guitarist. And Poison was great. They sounded great. No, um, Poison is great. What's interesting is that they he has a backing singer that is on stage with him, and they don't hide it, but nor do they introduce him. And the, the night before the show, some guys I know were hung out with the guy who was the backing singer, for Brett Michaels on stage, and that's how I know that that's what this guy's job was up there. It sounds like when when I saw them last time, they had a, a piano player. He was semi on and semi off stage. I don't believe they introduced him, but you could hear yeah, him. They didn't you hide him, him. They didn't introduce him, which is fine. I mean, that better that than tracks. So mm, uh, mm -hmm, we, mm -hmm. and it's fine, you know. But Brett was great. He, you know, the crowd loved him. I loved him. I adore Poison. It's literally that and Master of Puppets were my two first albums. So, and Blizzard of Oz. I got those three all at the same so, time. So, uh, list highlights from the Poison? Uh, it, about what you would expect. It's basically, I'm trying to think, I mean, nothing but a good time. Uh, Talk Dirty to Me, they played actually early in the set. I think they actually closed with nothing but a good time. Well, I wish I had printed out if, if I knew I was being quizzed on the, the set list. Uh, but they, uh, I should have been better prepared. So, We've talked uh, about set lists so many times on this show. I know, I know. It was the typical standard poison set list. They didn't break anything out of native tongue or anything like that. So when I reviewed them last time, what I said was one of my my favorite line from my review was, and I'm going to talk about myself, is I don't remember the last significant music poison recorded, and they made no effort to remind me of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely, there's a lot of 
Legacy, and I love Poison, have, for the record. Right, who have newer albums that I really like. I wouldn't say that I really pick up the newer Poison stuff too much. But Have they I mean, had anything since Hollyweird? Which was abject crap, I might add. I don't add. think so. I'm not even sure those guys get along well enough to make another album. But they pull it together in time for a show, and it's great party rock, and it was 150 degrees, and I loved it anyway, and I was just happy to be there celebrating that music. Now, where did um, you sit for this show? Because I know I at Metallica, was, you, were on the, you were on the field. I was, yeah. Metallica was great because I was right in front of that secondary stage. So when they came out and played Seek and Destroy, they were like feet away, and I lost my mind. And that was really great. But when they're on the I should stage, mention that Danny okay. and I have been to many, many concerts together, but not together. Right. For you, well, for years we were going to all the same bands. We just hadn't met each other. I Correct. could sense your presence, though. I could, I could feel your aura. He and also offered to to bring me down to get closer for Slayer, but I, I stayed on the right. Road. But uh, uh, yeah, so I was on the field. I would say thirty-five. Actually, I was right, right in front of the sound booth on the field, which is a pretty good place to be, because you would theoretically the sound booth would be the place where you would get the best sound. Um, and I mean, outdoor show, shows, I hope they never go away and they're fun for the communal aspect of them. But really, most of the time you're a mile away and most of the time the sound is garbage. But, you know, they, they still have their place in this world. So I'll miss it when there's no more stadium rock bands. But I, I will say I, I've only been to two stadium shows in my life. One of them, unfortunately, was Ed Sheeran. The other was Metallica. And. I had never heard Metallica sound so cool as it was in a stadium. And I, and I think part of that is the rarity of stadium shows because it's not something, especially in St. Louis, Missouri, we are, what is it, the 28th, 25th largest metro area in the country, in the United States. And once you get past the 10th, I mean, the, the size really falls off so we you know we don't get stadium shows you know and up until uh metallica played bush stadium and i believe and danny would probably know better than i would but i believe metallica was the first band ever to play bush stadium three because every baseball stadium has been called bush stadium in st louis at some point. yeah I, that might be true it's the first one i'd seen there for sure but and, you know i think one way to look at it, especially with Metallica, is like if you think back to 1986 and me being nine years old and showing up to the fifth grade with Master of Puppets <clears throat> and everybody was like, what is this noise? The idea that they would be playing stadiums is just absurd. Like, I Agreed. just. Agreed. Oh, you uh, too. You too played Bush, Bush three. Okay. I would not have been at that show. For I sure. would also not have been. But I mean, to think about, you know, stadium shows in St. Louis before Metallica, Rolling Stones, The Beatles, U2. That's about it. Oh, you know what? I was actually at, uh, I don't know if Rolling Stones played there or not, but. Who got a text message? Oh, that, that was me. Mute that stuff, son. Sorry. Uh, but Paul McCartney played there in August of 2018 because I was at that. Metallica played 2017, son. Really? Yes. At 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 Bush Stadium? 
June 2017. Okay. Oh, you know what? Okay, I said that backwards. You're right. That's when I was there. Um, Paul McCartney was August of 2016. I Oh, I remember. Oh, because uh, I remember you talking about how had you been at your house, you would have been just as close. Well, I think I was actually closer to the Chicago stop on the tour than I was to the St. Louis stage. <laughs> we were so far away to to afford to get in. So um, I, I, I hear you. So it's let, let's, you know, we could digress for about an hour because we've all been right. doing a thousand shows let's move forward who played after point and i don't mean to cut you off and i'm sorry no I no love- that's fine that's fine uh that's fine no but much to my happiness the next band was Def leopard um because i think it would have been anticlimactic for it Def leopard to have been last and it was announced that Def leopard would be headlining but day of show we found out they were uh second build and uh i'm not a big Def leopard fan um but i'm not a big def leppard fan i like a few of their songs a little bit they were a little bit too polished for me they lacked that edge of motley crew but uh i enjoyed it i i'm really they lacked the edge because they could play their instruments right and their singer could sing yeah yeah well i mean i'm sorry i'm being catty i admit it yeah, they were just a little bit too polished for me and, and stuff. They're not that they weren't good and everything. And I actually bought their new album at the show because it, it got you an entry to win an autographed guitar. So you are far nicer than me. So uh, can we mute this uh, cell phone action, though? Yeah, hold it's on. It's still going off. Thanks. Okay, so Def Leppard came on. They sounded really good. A lot of people accuse them of playing to tracks because they sound so good. I don't they know if they do. They, no, they play to tracks. There's people who vehemently deny it. Um, there are people who say Paul Stanley doesn't play to tracks too. Yeah, well, we now know that's not true. So <laughs> I've always known that's not true. I think it was, I mean, he hasn't always played to tracks, but probably for the last four years at least so correct about four years yes when his voice went out and then magically came back um but as far as Def Leppard I don't know they were good they were in good voice and then the final band of the night was Motley Crue um I now okay okay I I want to hear everything you have to say but I want to hear what I want to know first one what were there any surprises in what they played um, they played Saints of Los Angeles. They played The Dirt. I mean, I know that uh, Saints of Los Angeles, Angeles was the opening track of the Farewell Tour. Yeah, so they, they that maybe isn't a surprise. They played The Dirt. They did a medley of their cover songs. So we got a little bit of each of those, um, uh, including, I think they played Teaser for a, a bit. I, I'm not a big fan of the Miley Crew cover songs, in my opinion. But I uh, you know. Miley Smoking Crew. in the boys' room is the only one I can. Oh, Helter Skelter! I heard that today. Uh, um, yeah, and I really can't think. Day. Oh, Anarchy fuck Day. that noise! Fuck. I mean, just really, they should have erased that. Um, I'm drawing a blank on what the other one was. 
So I'm a huge Motley Crue fan. They're my third favorite band of all time. Now, in fairness, Danny has 15 or 30 favorite bands in his top five. I do. I do. But the top three have solidly always been, or not always been, but since I discovered them at least, uh, Hammerfall, which is a power metal band out of Sweden. Keefe, do you know Hammerfall? I do know Hammerfall. I've interviewed Oscar, so I know the band. Keefe knows everyone. That's not fair. But that is yeah, fair. Another band. It's a good, very good. It's a very good call out. Very few people would say that's one of their favorite bands. So that's a, that's a that's a bonus right there. I have gotten about seventeen hundred and fifty six text messages from Danny about Hammerfall. Yeah, I absolutely, including adore during them. the show. Yeah. Yes. I absolutely adore them, and uh, I think that they're the most perfect thing on the circuit. This Hammerfall, I just absolutely love them, and I discovered them as we would have as an adult. So there's not even a nostalgia factor that makes me love them the way there is for Motley Crue or okay. Iron Maiden. Uh, so Iron Maiden is my second favorite band of all time, Motley Crue third. So I'm sorry, but was Hammerfall the band you were texting me about when you were in Scandinavia? Probably. Okay. I, I didn't see them in Scandinavia. I saw Airborne in Scan- when I was in Norway. I, saw I remember, was, it, was Airborne the band you saw at the train station? Oh, oh, no, that was Sabaton. Sabaton, okay. I landed in Sweden, and I think I'm in the mecca of heavy metal, the greatest place in the world. There's a train that takes you from the airport to downtown Stockholm. I get off the plane, I get on the platform, and on the platform is the dudes from Sabaton with all their road gear coming back. And I'm like, holy cow. And then that was it. No more metal the whole rest of the time I was in Sweden. So they, they like lead with that. They just put Samatad to greet you on the train station. But This is literally what it's like to be Danny's friend. You have, Keefe, you are now Danny's friend. You have gotten, you've got the stories. Okay, so let's get to Motley Crue. So- Motley Crue, hit me. So much has been made about Vince's vocal struggles, and rightfully so. Oh, okay, okay, real quick. I'm going to jump in. Danny is the most positive gentleman I have ever known. I have never heard him say anything remotely negative. That is the most angry I've ever heard him. Continue. (laughs) Yeah, well, so, I mean, I get it. Like, Vince, even in his prime, was never really a good singer. He sounds In his prime, he was bad. Yeah, he was never great. That's for sure. I mean, he gets it on the albums after however many. No, days. he does not. Two, and three years ago, we're sitting in the sitting room. We're listening to my wife's, not mine, my wife's copy of Theater of Pain that she got from Columbia House in the 80s. She looks at me and she says, Wow, Vince never could sing, could he? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I would, I like Vince's sing, singing on the albums for sure. But Danny very, is very, very positive, not yeah, cynical. Well, I mean, if I didn't, I wouldn't be such a fan of the band. So, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily like every vocalist, but I, I do like him on the albums. He has struggled live. I think I've seen him seven times now live. And I would say five of the seven times he was really bad. Um, but I love Mick Mars so much, it doesn't matter. I, I can be okay with that. The, Tuesday night, though, he sounded as good as he has ever sounded live for about 70% of the set. So much so to the point that I turned to Doug, who I was with, and I thought that it was uh, 
tracks i was like and i said ducks to me is he singing to tracks is this tracks this can't possibly this can't possibly he can't be sounding this good because we've heard him sound so bad and i was suspicious until about he got to dr feelgood and then you know he hit the wall fell off the rag and train wrecked the rest of the show and i was like no he just was singing better than usual for those songs so so in in 2015 my wife demands demands we go see the farewell molly crew tour the open was saints of los angeles she looks at me and she says can we leave because she didn't like the singing yep well so you saw a miracle on stage yeah i well i've seen it once before there was one other tour that they were on i saw him out at riverport and i thought that he sounded pretty good that night too but i I know know what night that was not that was not 2015 i'm not sure what year it was i think it was prior to that but i have always assumed that they were tracking that night because it was the only time i'd heard him sound good and i know miley crew has used tracks in the past but I don't think they were using him this time because like I said, he, he struggled for the last two songs of the set. I mean, I'm not, he wasn't like he was Rob Halford up there or anything like that, but as good as can be expected, it wasn't distracting. He was getting through the songs and he was sounding good. The one complaint I will have about Miley Crew is, and you may have heard this from some other people who have seen the show, the bass guitar was overwhelmingly loud, way too loud. And hmm. I guess when the guy that runs the band and calls the shots is the bass player, that could happen. I saw White Snake once and you couldn't hear anything but the vocals. So that's that can be a thing, I guess. And I've heard I've only seen different... White Snake once too. Yeah, I saw them at Family Arena and they were okay. It just the vocals were too loud. But people from different parts of the stadium all had the same I mean, we're talking puts Lemmy to shame loud. I've never heard a bass guitar that high in the mix, just drowning out almost everything. And maybe that was by design because they were afraid of what Vince was going to sound like. And you know what? If there is any bass player you want to hear crapping all over everything, it's probably not Nikki Six. (laughs) Yeah. That sounds legitimately true. When I played in bands, I used to hate fuck my band. Uh, Like, if we had, like, a fucking disagreement before the show, I would go to the soundboard and obnoxiously turn my own bass up louder than the guitars (laughs) to fuck with them, (laughs) especially how vain they were about their sound. Um, Here's two questions I have, if I can jump in. I, I have seen video, like, you know, it's very fashionable to bag on Vince, and I am no stranger to bagging on Vince. The reason I don't love Motley Crue is Vince. Uh, that being said, Crew has banged. I had to force Keithy into the Motley Crew series. True. Uh, gunpoint. Um, but <laughs> Crew has bangers of songs, and I would never throw them away as a band because I. And I've said to people like, if you never saw Crew, even a terrible Crew, go see them because like at least it's an experience you could say you saw. Um, what I'm seeing from the videos, and fuck everybody on this tell. We didn't even talk about this. Many, many bands use teleprompters. I've seen Zach Wilde use giant laminated sheets of paper with the lyrics. So he never looks up from his guitar. There's no reason to to, to bust out teleprompters. 
But I'm just they, saying, like, the, like the, the whole internet before this latest week, like last week. I know, week, but they, the everyone was, uses them. Everyone uses them. And so my point is don't knock Vince right. for using them. I'm glad agreed, he's using them. Agreed, Hopefully agreed. he's actually using them and keeping the lyrics right. Like anything that can Only help Only if it's him. got a little ball that goes. I mean, ding, I, ding, they light up. They light up as they go. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah, there we go. It's still a click track. So, um, that's one. But like me, I'm interested in in Tommy. So Tommy apparently got jumped by Vince before the first show. Cause is that real? I that's according to the wife of one of the guys in the band, who was backstage Cause, and because Tommy's me. girlfriend said no. <clears throat> Tommy's girlfriend and Tommy are notorious press whores. Wait, so you're saying publicity you, stunts with you PR. don't trust Tommy? I don't trust Tommy farther than I could throw that guy. Really? Yeah. He he seems like a really so rational, awesome. normal dude. Yeah, I mean, with that's, a ten-inch How did Tommy play? Considering he's got broke, you know, had broken ribs a month ago. Well, this was. I did he use his dick? I mean, I, not that I could. Well, you know, when he for some reason <laughs> they always have him. Maybe this is why, but he's always kind of shrouded. The way the lighting is, he's always very backlit and shrouded in smoke. So it's it's kind of hard to get pictures of him for sure. I've discovered when trying to take photos. Of the band. For the record, uh, Danny, my man Danny, used to take photos for me, do some reviews for me for Glacier Musical, the blog, and he did some amazing, amazing concert photos without the super professional equipment. So yeah, I just it, I have a good but not great camera, but if you're patient, sometimes you can get good pictures with it. But this was, I think, the third show that he'd played the whole show. And I remember when he first broke his ribs, the first thing I did was look up on the internet, like how long it takes to recover from broken ribs. And the timeline put it right about St. Louis. So I thought there was a chance we'd get a full show from him. I would say he sounded great and that I could not tell any fault in his playing due to the broken ribs. And he was certainly energetic and potty mouthed as always. So he spoke. uh, Smoke. Spoke. Smoke. Yeah, he he comes out and talks for a bit prior to Home Sweet Home. (sighs) Do not need that. No, I mean the thing about Miley Crew is like these aren't really good dudes, right? Like (laughs) if they weren't Miley Crew, nobody would ever want to hang out with any of these guys, right? So I'm going to remind everybody that several members of Def Leppard have been arrested for spousal assault, including the one-armed drummer who choked out his wife. So, like, Aww. how many of these guys are good guys? None of them. Not many. Brett yeah, Michaels I mean, and his skullet. There's, there are good guys. There are good guys in rock. But, man, at the top Not level, at this show. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Joan. Joan I is mean, a good guy in rock. She's yeah. great. I don't even know, like... Probably everybody in Poison has been involved in some sort of shenanigans also, too. Maybe Brett Michaels, the least of them, but still, you know. So you kind of got to get past that when it comes to Motley Crue. You for sure have to get that past in Motley Crue, because if liking the guys in the band is a detriment, nobody would ever listen to Motley Crue. Motley Crue is good. They're probably the most problematic band that comes out of the 80s. You, you, you might be right. You might be right. And I guess they kind of trade on that. And like, I I know as a kid, I probably enjoyed that about them, that they were dangerous and 
you know. Well, Doc McGee, actually, there was a point in the Shout at the Devil tour where Doc McGee required them to tell him everything they destroyed in the hotel rooms before he would let them check out. Yeah, it, but I don't know. I mean, that's rock and roll. But man, I just, I love mixed guitar tone. I just love no, it. No, I, 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 I love I, it. I, I get love it. Like that 10, 10 seconds to love to me is the greatest guitar tone ever no, I, by man. I get it. I wish I didn't. I literally asked some rando dude in Canada on Twitter, can I trade you for that copy of Girls, Girls, Girls you have in that photo? Right. Yeah, because no, I don't I, have I Girls, 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 Girls. I love I love Theater of Pain. Everybody rags on that album. The band themselves rag on that album. I love it. Uh, the only song in there I don't love probably is Smoking in the Boys' Room. That's probably my least favorite song on that album. That's the best song. Well, they are terrible at covers. I think it's I mean, they are. Nick and they I are. talk on and on about how Metallica is like the best cover band ever. Motley Crue could be the worst cover band ever. Yeah, but just... I will say that Smoking in the Boys' Room is like semi-redeemable. Okay, look, Motley Crue as a cover band is fuck terrible. But maybe it's just because I remember being a 13-year-old smoking cigarettes. That that really spoke to you. Yeah. yeah. I give it I to know. Mick. How did Mick how did Mick look? I'm more I'm more about the aesthetics. How did Mick how's Mick feeling? Is he okay? Did he move much? Did they help it's him crazy. off? It's crazy that the guy's hands are quicker than mine right with everything he's got going on his hands and his arms work he didn't look terrible all things considered there was one point i found interesting where there he was positioned towards the back and there was they have these microphones that hang down from the ceiling as motley crews want to do and it was in his way and so like he kept reaching up and batting at it to get it out of his way because that was easier for him than just walking five steps away to get away. Like a cat with a cat toy. <laughs> right, right. So it's like he doesn't move around a whole lot, but all things considered, I thought he was fine. And man, he he's he still played great. So yeah, I'm just gonna he, say I can't uh, believe he's not dead. Right, right. You know, it's just uh, <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's everybody worried about him, everybody worried about Vince, and then it was Tommy that got hurt, you know, or Brett got sick, so. I mean, Mick is the one that really should be dead. Well, it should, it's negligible that he should be. Like, it's the same thing. I know that Ozzy wants to tour again more than anything in the world. Not gonna happen. shouldn't and might not get to. He just physically, to go on tour, just to do... You know, again, just to do a handful of dates is exhausting and and, and, and I don't involved see it at that level. I don't. I think you know, I I spent the is out there. I, I spent six years working for a company where I had to travel. I had to do six trips a year, maximum, and those trips would be four days maximum. And I came home and I went, "Fuck me! I hate my life." Then the and I'm I was 42 when I was doing that. So the idea of Ozzy, who's now older than my late father-in-law, oh, get on the bus. No, no, no. Even if he had to do like three three a week, I think it'd be too much for him. But I I, I mentioned that because again, these guys are all advancing in health. I don't know how you know. I I'm, I said to Nick in a previous 
in our first Motley Crue episode, the only reason this tour is ever planned or happening, the only reason, in my opinion, Motley Crue unretired, is right when Motley Crue retired and signed that contract, GNR came back out, and they've been rampantly successful at this reunion thing. Uh, it's, it's... Even if it's been diminishing returns to some people, I've seen them twice and they were great, but I know other people thought they weren't. Even still, they are attempting... Crew is it? Uh, uh, Guns is attempting to do something Crew or Metallica cannot do, which is tour at the same clip they did thirty years ago, and they're doing it. I don't know how or why, but they are. It's very lucrative because they all stopped drinking. I don't know. I, I talked it. about this with Duncan last week. You know, in nineteen ninety two, nineteen ninety three, this reunion era did not exist. The idea of Kiss, Black Sabbath, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest. Motley Crue, the idea of any of those bands reuniting was ludicrous. And then them and everyone else reunited because the Eagles reunited and made $17 billion. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, nobody ever stays retired. I mean, I guess Twisted Sisters on the clock. No, they're done because D just said that he's never touring again, even for his solo band. So I think they're done. I think we're not going to see that Van Halen tribute tour. This Pantera thing will be interesting. Nick and I talked about it before you joined us, Danny. Yeah, I saw that just before getting on. Ironically, today is the 37th anniversary of the original Live Aid with the reunions of Led Zeppelin and Ozzy Sabbath, for better or worse. Mostly worse. Uh, But is there... uh, Danny, I'm going to give you a minute here. Is there anything else we need to know about that show? I would say that the, you know, if the world exists for a million years, that there's like a 50 year period where you can see these great metal bands that we have now and these great rock bands. And I always kind of think that it could be somebody a hundred years from now. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy, but a hundred years from now, yes. I might sit back and think, man, I wish I could have seen Motley Crue, or I wish I could have seen Def Leppard. The same way, not to compare those bands to Led Zeppelin, but the same way, like, we wax poetic about wouldn't it have been great to have been able to see Led Zeppelin and stuff. And I think that hopefully not, but maybe the era of stadium-level rock bands is coming to an end. And so this could be our last chance at this unique opportunity to celebrate this era of music. And so I think it's fun for that and even if the bass is too loud or Vince is a little quiet or it's 110 degrees I don't know it's it's all worth it just to celebrate this music so I say go to it if anybody's listening in a city that and also wait to the last minute to get tickets because my brother got a way better seat for way less than me and I bought my tickets in 2019 so damn Uh, as, as always Danny you are legitimately one of my absolute favorite people, probably top 10 and in top five, top five that aren't blood related or I'm married to. And, you know, your, your love of music, your positive attitude are always wonderful things that I can look up to and aspire to be. Thank you very much for taking some time to be with us this evening because your sunny attitude and your fucking terrible hat. The Mets. Fuck the Mets. Uh, 
I was about to say nobody can nobody on YouTube can see Nick's hands while he's giving this very long speech. Go ahead. <laughs> it's not that long. And that's um, what she dropping, said. <clears throat> oh no, she didn't. Uh dropping the Maloik. Thank you, Danny. Thank you very much. Uh I will definitely and I, I'm sorry I haven't seen you. It's 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 uh, everybody knows. It's it's but, been very pandemic y the last few years. So it, it created all kinds of challenges for everything, including hanging out. So yeah, it's it's all good, and I, I appreciate you guys. I, I I love this show, man. I love listening to you guys. You guys know so much about music. I learn a lot, uh, and uh, I I really enjoyed it. Like I've been jamming out all day to uh, Flatline by Fireball Ministry, and I'm quite sure. Yes. Quite sure that I would not have been doing that if if it wasn't for your program. So it's like sometimes I discover some stuff because of it. Um, just, I bought a camera because of it that I hadn't didn't have already. So just for the record, Keefe did Keefe Keefe did the Fireball Ministry, and I, I you know I bought some Fireball Ministry music myself because of that because of that series. Right on, right on, and I uh, yeah I'm looking forward to the Miley Crew one, and I appreciate you guys. Uh, I apologize for my computer behaving very poorly at the beginning. The I just got a new computer and it, it did not like Zoom. So. Everybody out there, we paid Danny to say all these nice things about us because nobody would <laughs> ever say nice things about us. No, no I know. I, I've heard every episode so far. So I just finished up Fireball Ministry earlier today. So, Danny, I thank you for being here. We will talk soon. You bet. Uh, stay cool. Keep rocking and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Do we want to just power on through to the Oh, yeah, end? Let's, let's, let's just get this done. Let's talk about... <clears throat> Boom! Nobody is still listening. If anyone Shout is. at the devil. We have gone on for like a decade. Let's just... Uh, let's just rock through this shit. Um, gotta tell you, I listened to Shout at the Devil again today. It is not as good as I remember it from last week. I thought I still love Shout at the Devil as my favorite crew record. I think no. they only have two good records is this and Feel Good, but you could say three if you feel some No, I don't. I don't feel like three. <laughs> <laughs> um with Vince. Interesting. Uh, yeah. I feel three like total. the Karabi thing is a good record by itself if it wasn't Motley Crew. Yeah, it's not a Motley Crew. It's it's a whole I mean that thing is a It's them trying to be King's X basically and Alice in Chains and it doesn't Yeah, happen. I mean we, we Duncan and I did I love Karabi. I love Karabi. So do I. Duncan and I did an episode on the the DMA about that particular record and uh John Karabi's first union record even. So Big I would like uh, here's here's a fantasy band I want to see put a band together. Oh Jesus. John Karabi, Damon Johnson from Brother Kane and Alice Cooper. And Black Star Riders and Lizzie and stuff. I'm um, making serious faces. Gilby Clark. What the fuck? I love Gilby Clark. And his solo records are great. And, and what, Alex Van Halen on drums? and No, I don't know. Neil just, Peart just, on just bass? Just in general, I think those guys as songwriters. And Richie Cotson. Let's put Richie Cotson in here while we're at it. Fuck so. Richie Cotson. Fuck Why? that guy. great. He fucked Bobby Dahl's bass sister. I don't know somebody. I don't give a shit about any of that. Fair enough. All right, can we talk about Molly Crew now? We could. Let's let's pass. All right, finish shout it off. shout of the devil starts off with in the beginning. Holy fuck, 
badass pretentious bullshit that uh no uh then it gets to shout at the devil proper the track probably one of their 10 best but i mean in fairness one of their five best we're we're talking about a band that maybe did a hundred tunes so right i would put this in the top five shout at the devil great song great title track great everything even vince is is passable here vince is good here He's really good here. This is, you know, and, it's in, in fairness, his range. Uh, um, he is not, not good. He's not good often, but he he's really good on uh, that self-titled record that he's not on. He's really good on that one. Mm. Uh, moving on to Looks That Kill. Good video. Good track. Perfectly nailed 1983. You had the Mad Max kind of wasteland, laser beams, hot chick, uh, and Vince Neil, who was also kind of a hot chick. Uh, you know, good androgyny, post-apocalyptic wasteland with in bikini. So, also after Looks the Kill came out, a lot of bands, including a band I was in, tried to copy that descending no riff. No, 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 no. no. And like, oh, I thought that, you meant the bikinis. I'm sorry. No, the riff of Looks That Kill is iconic for being ripped off by many other bands. All right, fair. Uh, Bastard, I got nothing. You got Bastard anything is on that one, one of my favorite Motley Crue songs, probably more than anybody else. It's mm. almost like they tried to do a Motorhead song, and they almost pulled it off. It's a really I'm glad underrated gem. Someone... I'm glad someone remembers Killer that. Killer drumming, great bass, distorted bass, good track. Go back and check that song out, Nick. Can, can you see my, my eyebrow raising? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, I actually uh, messed up my eyesight raising it that high. Uh, moving on to God Bless Children of the Beast. Hmm. Uh, I got to love the fact that they were sticking a middle finger to Conservative America in the early 80s. During the Satanic Panic, which was bullshit. However, it is an instrumental with no words. So, moving on, uh, Helter Skelter, which, as we discussed, ad nauseum, Molly Crew cannot do covers, and that was a cover. So, we're going to pass on that one. That is a Beatles track for anybody who doesn't. Anyone who's listening to this who doesn't know music, which is probably... Known. No band has actually covered Helter Skelter properly or well. Aerosmith, I'm looking at you. Motley Crue, I'm looking at you. Everybody else, I'm looking at you. Stop. Stop now. Uh, then we move on to Red Hot, which I should remember, but I don't. Decent. It's decent. It was also in the dirt. It's a pretty decent song. <clears throat> uh, too Young to Fall in Love. Uh, classic. This is the prototypical 80s hair metal song. It's mm. uh, completely vacuous with the uh, giant gang vocal chorus with most people who can't sing. And you've got too young, fall in love, too young, fall in love. And then there you go. Uh, Knock em Dead Kid, which apparently was inspired by a fight that Nikki had with uh, the Hells Angels. That turned out to be undercover cops, so work that out. Did not did not knock them dead even a little. Anything? Um, not that great a song. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> this is you know, 
I'll, I'll get to that. Uh, 10 seconds to love. Okay, that's just, you know what? The title alone makes it not worth listening to. It's okay. No, the, it's la- and Danger is also okay. All right, Keefe is in a very. They, I, I mean, this is this is their second best record, and it's pretty not like it's a B, and it's a B on the strength of the good tunes, and I'm including Bastard. Um, but <laughs> so yeah, you could have uh, lo- you could have left off those last three on side two and just been fine. And uh, a couple of tracks, and on I don't side love one. the cover either. But like, whatever. Like, okay, I know people like it. People like Too Young to Fall. Too Young to Fall loves a good song, just straight up a good song. And actually, Vince is the least problematic part of that song. He's actually one of the better things in that song because it suits him. Um, actually, what I think you get in that song that you don't get everywhere else is you get when Vince is good is when he doesn't have to carry the whole vocal load. So when he gets to do the response to the call and response. He shines because he's singing this much, a tiny bit, as opposed to when he has to carry a whole, you know, co- a whole chorus by himself. It's just like, oh my god, he's gonna break. He can't. Yeah. And I feel, you know, like we're but we're dogging him, but I think it's earned, and it never was good. Your wife was right. I was right. Everybody's been right. He was never that. He's the least accomplished, most popular singer ever, which is crazy. You know, you wouldn't call Madonna a great singer. You think of Madonna, you think of dance videos, and then movies. you think of her on, you know, movies. Uh, you think of her singing. I, I didn't say I did. I didn't say movies. Um, <clears throat> she won an Academy Award. I mean, like she's got. Wait, she shots. did. She did. Evita. She won an Academy Award for Evita. I, I have that on vinyl. I didn't see it. Um, okay. So, would you say Vince Neil is less accomplished than Jim Morrison? Yes, by far. Jim Morrison wasn't trying to be a singer until they started doing blues songs. He was a poet. He wasn't trying to sing like a singer. He was an accidental singer. He accidentally did him way. He keyed his way into a career as a singer. He was trying to be a poet. Wait, he he just wanted to be a rapper. And he, he shovel up sh- his way. Sorry, shovel up. All right, right shovel up again. Copyright Curtis Dunlap, my BFF for life for making that up. But like, it's true. He well, he, he said, "I cannot sing." So I yeah. mean, that's fine. I can't blame so, Jim Morrison because he's not a good singer. He never wanted to be a singer. That's probably true. So what we have here is we have a band who can play, except for Nikki. And Nikki, Nikki can play. Don't insult Nikki. Can play. I think like, yeah, Nikki's a very good bass player. Actually, okay. Uh, he's also McGee. written most of the guitar parts of Motley Crue. So like, you got to give Nikki a little more credit than you think. Uh, okay, a band that can play, and Vince, mm-hmm. and Vince has always been by far the weakest link. When they replaced him with a stronger link, they failed miserably. Well, that's because uh, people didn't want it. That's what they didn't want it. They want the shit. They want trash. They want to eat bad food that's bad for them. They want to watch garbage TV that rots their brain. They want to listen to this band that isn't good and criticize them. Right? That's the human race. That's humanity. Uh-huh. Okay, okay. So, you know what's more interesting than this Motley Crue record? Nick's Piggly Wiggly shirt and my Paper Street Soap Company shirt. Finally, the Piggly Wiggly. We should just make the shirt check a part of the show and then we'll have to do it at the beginning. But Nick's shirt is awesome, Piggly Wiggly. Uh, I went to one and I nearly cried with joy. 
Um, also a fan of the Circle K and Come and Go. So if you can, I, I bought I those. bought this shirt in Alabama last year. A legit one shirt. of the uh, yeah one of the the nice gentlemen who was uh, bagging my groceries told me it was a very nice shirt and I'd be very happy to have it. Mm. Uh, I don't know if I agree. It's a little not as soft as I like, but uh, you know, it sounds I, like I, Alabama rough and <laughs> uncultured. <laughs> I hey. wish that was I wish that was untrue. However, we did go to a Mustang museum down there. That's cool. About ninety minutes outside of Birmingham. What does the Mustang and have to do with Alabama? It was there. Was it? Just, and that's where the museum is. Yeah, it's a dude has like two hundred Mustangs, and okay. he made a museum. And okay, my wife is a big, big, big Mustang fan. No, really? Wow. So, I mean, work that out. I drive an electric car. She wants to buy a Mustang. You know, we make it work. Uh, but she was so, we didn't know it was there. We were going to Orlando, Florida to go to Harry Potter World. Mm. And we checked in. We we were smarter this time versus our last road trip vacation. We set up our stops. The only problem was my stupid self uh, added an extra day. So it went from St. Louis, Memphis, Birmingham, just outside Birmingham, Florida. I, I had an extra day. I'm sorry. I did not mean to do that. But uh, I did. And but we, we, we planned out where we were going. We got to the hotel in Birmingham. And I looked at the, the travel vouchers. And it said Mustang Museum. So I looked at the kid and I said, hey. We're going to make the mommies happies. We're going to go to the Mustang Museum tomorrow. And she didn't know. So we went there and she was excited. They had a 64 and a half Mustang, which apparently means something to people that I'm not one of them. There's like 17, I don't know, maybe 750, 6,000. I don't know. There's a small number, whatever that means in car talk. I'm not, I'm, I'm neither. I'm neither click nor clack. You're listening to Car Talk on NPR with Nick and Keith. <laughs> That's Terrible. my car talk. Anywho, shall I so take us home? All right. What do we have to say about Motley Crue? There's, there's nothing else to say. It's a good record. It's their second best record. And it still only has like five good songs on it. But all right. It's definitely a buy. It's their B or A tier, not an A tier because there's too much shit on it, but it's a high B tier album. For them, it's their, it's one of their pinnacles. It certainly... Does Molly Crew have an A tier record? Yeah, Feel Good is an A tier record. I think we're going to find out. I would agree with that. All right. Anything else you got this week? I literally am going to go get into this bed next to me and die. All right. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. I We appreciate you just sticking with us because this has been a long goddamn episode. They don't normally go this long, but Danny brings out the worst or best in me, however you want to view it. A good friend of mine, I appreciate him taking some time to join us on a Wednesday night. Thank you very much to Keefe. Excuse me, I'm burping while I'm talking. I'm trying to wrap this up, but I'm burping. Thank Keefe, thank you very much. I know you are feeling like uh, ass on toast. It's going to get better. You're going to crush it. You're going to do those things I said you were going to do earlier and uh, Piggly Wigglies. But um, 
four days ago, I was driving through Illinois. And during that time, I drove past signs that said Peoria. And as I was driving near Peoria, I was thinking to myself, I want to go play somewhere. But as this is the Glacier Musical Podcast, we do not play in Peoria. Okay. (laughs) I didn't know what that was, and that's how it's going to end.